Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first lesson this morning comes from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It is part of the story of the journey of the children of Israel. Let us listen that we may hear what God may share with us. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord promised and commanded. They camped at Rehevedim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you at the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It is during the time when Jesus is in Jerusalem prior to the events of um, his being arrested. And he is going in and out of the temple and teaching. So let us listen that we may hear what Scripture will say to us. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, We are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and he said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and he went. The father went to the second son, and he said the same, and he answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, 
and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The word of the Lord. A number of years ago, in the days before social media, I think there were some, I was involved in an email round robin. It originated with three friends of mine. We were all fraternity brothers in college, and we had all gone our different ways in different times and places. Um, and we were spread across the world, one in Auburn, Alabama, uh, myself in Atlanta, um, a, a lawyer friend who bounced around, literally bounced around the world, and the fourth who was a university administrator and eventually college president in Japan. And we added to this different people that we knew that might be good conversation partners, and we got up to about 12 or 15 or so in a manageable and form, and somebody would put out a question or a statement or a situation or share a news story, and we would comment on it, very kind of like what some of the social media became, but in a much more contained environment. I don't remember the issue that raised the response, but my friend in Japan one evening responded quite strongly to something that was said in one of, the, one of these exchanges. I, as I said, I don't remember what it was, but I do remember that his response was strong, and it made me wonder what was going on with him. So I sent him an email just, just to him directly, and I said, what's, what's, into, what's going on? What's motivated this? Where is the spit and vinegar coming from? And he responded, it wasn't spit and vinegar, it was gin and tonic. Yeah, that happens sometimes, you know. We are surrounded by a lot of noise in our world today, just as we were in those days. And in some ways, it's been amplified in, in uh, not simply with the 24-7 news cycle, not simply with emails, social media, all sorts of other ways that, that come and join us. And sometimes we add other things to that mixture. We add alcohol. We add drugs, prescription drugs maybe, painkillers. Maybe we're feeling bad. Maybe our family situation is deteriorating. Maybe our work situation is uncertain. We're not, we don't know. Our economic prospects are challenged. Sometimes we're just sick and tired, just sick and tired. And when something comes along our way that rubs us wrong, we respond in quite outlandish and preposterous ways, or not. And sometimes we respond because we need to respond, and we need to ask questions. This week on Facebook, I had an incident that was reminded me of this. I reposted a, a, a blog that um, was written by Derek. Derek is the husband of the pastor of one of the churches I used to serve. She came after I was the interim pastor there. And Derek is a blog writer, and his wife is, is the pastor. And that's what he does. And he writes blogs, and he writes materials of various sorts. And 
the title of the blog was quite intriguing and I found it appealing. The title was, If You Are Rude and Hateful, You Are Not Following Jesus. Yeah, you know, strong kind of message. He quoted from verses in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, Let us hold tightly to the hope that it lives inside of us without wavering, let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us remember that God can be trusted to keep God's promises. Good stuff. Good basic stuff. Hold on to hope. Don't waver and motivate one another. Encourage one another. Share love and good works. Trust God. All those things are things that he was trying to say. And if you do those things, life is good. Another friend of mine, Mark, who is an interim pastor and who I met while working and serving in North Carolina, um, and with whom I have shared a number of occasions for continuing education and travel, he responded, I choose to demur from the assertion our faith is more than Southern manners. This perspective is limited and does not take into account the resistance to injustice and evil and the racial and ethnic personality differences among persons and groups. Hmm. Yeah. There's a ring of truth to that. More than a ring. This led to a back and forth between Derek and Mark in the space that I had created I think it is neat to be able to invite people who do not know each other to meet together. Have you done that? Have you ever done that at a party or, or some other social time, maybe a luncheon? You are in privileged to serve and to invite people to come together who don't know each other, but they can use your entree as a way for conversation. And that's sort of what happened. The conversation really didn't get heated, but it got intense. And I think it was useful in that way. And I thought, as this was happening, I thought, you know, wait a minute. The three of us, Derek and Mark and Joel, we're all men of a certain age. We're all um, Presbyterians. We're all white. We all have challenges in our life. We all have privileges in our life. There's not the things that, dif that distinguish us, but we have a lot of commonality as well. Mark is the kind of person, he's that kind of friend you have who wants to expand on everything. And you give him one sentence and he will give you a paragraph in return. And he does it really, really well. Derek was writing a blog. Now the idea of a blog is to get a short piece of thought out there, shorter than even a lot of sermons, you know? Maybe people should read more blogs than hear sermons. I don't know. I'm not encouraging that. But, you know, it's, the idea is it's supposed to be short and on point. And Derek wanted to point out that bad behavior cannot be justified by Christian faith. And Mark wanted to say, well, wait a minute. What are some of the limits of that? Mark wondered, who defines bad behavior in faith? Are there not some responses to situations and circumstances that might be matters of justice or truth? 
They need a strong response. He wrote, following Jesus is not to be equated with being nice. Jesus went into the, he didn't, he points this out. In another point, Jesus went into the temple that last week of his life, and he turned over the tables of the, um, the merchants who were selling the sacrificial animals and the money changers. Jesus messed some things up. I don't think Jesus would, that kind of behavior would have been well tolerated in our social circles today, you know? You go in and throw in tables over up, up and down in the fellowship hall, that's not going to be well received. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. We live in a world that's full of snark. You know, that's a great word that I've used, learned recently. S-N-A-R-K, snark. It's an attitude or an expression of mocking irreverence and sarcasm. Now, don't misunderstand. Sometimes sarcasm and irreverence are tools that are very, very useful. They kind of keep us from falling into group conformity or group think. Do you recall the fairy tale, um, The Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen, that old tale told to children years ago? It goes something like this. There was an emperor or a king who wanted a new set of clothes, and he engaged a couple of weavers to do that. They were unethical sorts, and they told the king that they would create a set of clothes that were so marvelous and magical that only people who truly could see and understand would be able to see them. And the king bought it, and he bought, he paid them, and the day came for him to be, uh, show his clothes. The courtesans knew that the new clothes were special and magical and only people who were worthy could see. And so the king comes parading, parading out in nothing. And the courtesans are sort of left a gap to know, oh my gosh, what do we do? Well, we know that unless, uh, if we don't see these, then we are not worthy. So of course we saw them. It's beautiful clothing, your highness. Oh, it's so wonderful. And then he parades all around the the castle, and he goes out into the street, and the crowd just sort of stops slack-jawed, and there's a small voice of a boy who says, but he isn't wearing anything at all. And all of a sudden, the pretensions and the, the, the myth-making are all set aside. We need to have some degree of ability to question and and laugh at ourselves. We need to have that sarcasm, that irreverence at times to test us and to poke us. And yet we also need to find ways to balance truth and beauty. We need to find ways to listen to calls for justice and righteousness in a good way. And I think that's where the gospel story takes us. What do you think? Jesus asked. There's, there, there's a man who has two sons, and he tells one of them, he tells both of them to go out into the field. And one of them says, the first one says, no, Dad, I ain't doing it. Nope. Not going to happen. And the second one says, sure, I'm on it. But the one who says he's not going to do it ends up going and doing what he is asked to do. And the one who says, oh, yeah, definitely, he doesn't. 
And Jesus asked the crowd, he says, which of the two sons did what the father asked? You know the answer? You know the answer? Yeah, the one who did it, right, the first one. The one who, who did, the one who did not, who said he would not, but he did. He's the one who did what the father asked. It's pretty simple, straightforward, kind of a universal ethical principle that we, that makes sense in life. But it doesn't take a whole lot for us to come up with some reasons to try to let the second son out. Yeah, maybe that second son got caught in traffic. Or maybe his dog got sick and he had to take him to the vet. Or maybe he misplaced the instructions and they went into the trash shredder instead. I don't know. We can make up all sorts of reasons and excuses. We all do that. We blame, we say it's the weather. And a lot of times they have, those excuses have some bearing on what happens. But it's kind of like my friends gin and tonic, you know? Ultimately, it just comes back to some other reason. We may not be feeling well. Sometimes we just don't understand what the other person is saying. The challenge and the opportunity is for us to find our way forward. It's to find our way to be accountable to ourselves, to each other, and to the world. There are times when we are asked to do one thing and we do another thing. And sometimes when that happens, we are doing the right thing. And sometimes it is not. We live in a world where we need to do what is better. The prophet Micah put it this way, what does the Lord require but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? It is simple. I know that. You know that. We all know that. It's so simple. But sometimes, many times, it is so hard to follow. So, what do you think? Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.